Please note the information contained in this podcast is general in nature and does not take into consideration your personal circumstances. If you need advice, please seek out a licensed financial professional. Hello, hello. I'm Greg Fay, And I'm Dora Pappas. And welcome to another episode of Better Real Estate. And today, Greg and I are going to be talking about investment and property. We'll be talking about property investing, how it works, how you can get started. And the key message really that we want you to take home from today is that property investing should never be something that you rush into lightly or quickly. No, you need to get good advice behind you and make sure you're doing the right thing that suits your circumstances because every situation's different. And on that note, we're going to have Rebecca coming in from Two Red Shoes. She's a mortgage broker and she's going to let us know a few things about financing your investment property so you can build your own real estate empire. That's fantastic. I can't wait to hear. Yeah, I'd like to start mine. So let's get started with the basics. What is property investing? Well, basically, an investment property is a property that you've purchased or intend to purchase so that you can earn a return on the investment at some point, not necessarily straight away. It's not a quick fix thing. You've got to be in for the long haul with property. Absolutely, the long haul. Um, And the return could actually be from, say, rental income or the profit from a future sale or both. Or you might have other reasons for investing, like you might uh, want a holiday home that you can have a, a good time of year and when it's peak season, rent that out and that's the income. But you get you get the lifestyle and the investment and hopefully a bit of capital gain on top as well. That's absolutely fantastic. And there are a lot of people at the moment actually making some good money from their second homes, let's say, or from their uh, property investments. Yeah, and, uh, yeah. and having a few weeks by the beach when oh. they want to, or in the mountains, if that's your thing. Yeah, no, well, I'm a beach girl. I don't know about you. Yeah, no, me too. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. I like the mountains, but if I had a choice, I'd be buying by the beach. Yep. Yep. Spot on. Um, so what are some examples of uh, property investment strategies? Well, you could probably start... Uh, with the capital gain, probably capital gain is is a big one that people look for. You know, try and find an area that you think is going to go up in value over time. And when we're talking sort of ten or twelve years, you're not thinking property boom stuff of, of recent times of you know four years you'll double your money. You've got to be in for the long haul. Yep. Um, other other people do um, property investing for the tax benefits. There are, and you'll need to speak to your accountant about this to suit your situation. But there are things like you might have heard the terms negative gearing yep. and depreciation and all this sort of thing that could help you uh, gain a get a capital gain, but also get tax benefits. So you pay less tax, have more income, etc., cetera, etc. Cetera. What about people who buy um, properties that they? that they need to fix up and they want to renovate them and then sell them. They're like your flippers, yep. aren't they? Yep. Yeah. Like your, yeah, well, that, that's also a thing. You've got to uh, be really on, on top of your game though in, as far as that goes. Um, you know, you can't just sort of uh, buy, buy a place and think, oh, yeah, I'll give it a lick of paint, although that may be all it needs. Um, if you're really into it, you've, you've really got to have a quick turnover and you've really got to know your market. And then, of course, there's the property that you buy and you hang on to it and just rent it out. Just sit it there and just watch it roll in. <laughs> I 
was just thinking of my dad because that's what he used to do, not watch it rolling in, but he used to buy properties and rent them out. So he had commercial properties and he had houses as well. And um, that was one of the strategies that he had for building wealth. Yeah. And it, it worked for him. My dad was in commercial, did commercial property as did well. He? Yeah, he had some, oh, he, he was mad for it. And uh, yeah, after after he passed away, it left it was a bit of a mess trying to sort it out. But uh, yeah, we got there in the end. Yes, that probate's always difficult, isn't it? I remember my um, dad passed away in the middle of building a um, a house, and it was with a partner as well. So oh, oh yeah. sounds messy. That was messy, absolutely. So property investing is a great way to build wealth, but only if you do it right. And as we said in the beginning of this episode, you want to do your research and to make a plan. And another thing that people need to consider is the expenses involved in buying and selling a property. It's not just your deposit, is it? I mean, there's so much more. Yeah, you've got to think it's it's not just your mortgage and your finance and, and paying back the bank. You've got uh, your council rates, uh, water rates, because uh, residential properties in some states, the, the landlord pays for the water. Yep. Um, you've also got, you know, insurance. You've, you've got to have building insurance. There's also landlord insurance in case... Uh, you know, which will protect you if if uh, you're out of pocket and you can still need to earn an income from it. It's like being sick if wow. you haven't got a if you haven't got a tenant in your property, you're not earning any money. So you can't pay the bank. That's and right. You don't want that, them not being paid. Do you, you don't want them on your back? No. No. And I guess there's body corporate fees. If you've got an apartment, yeah, yeah. that's right. Yeah, and that, and that can add up, especially if, if you're looking at a building uh, with a lift or a pool. Kerching. <laughs> I know exactly what you mean. They were the ones we avoided when we were looking at properties for my daughter. We just went, would be nice. Jim would be fantastic. Mm, yeah, you know what? You, I'm going to pound the pavement. You, you pay for it. Yeah, those strata fees were incredible. Yeah, yeah. Absolutely incredible. Um, I guess there's property management fees you've got to be aware of as well. Yeah, I, I've just actually been looking into that, Dora. The, um, you, you've, um, you're looking at around sort of 5%. Are you? Yeah, of of the rental income yeah. to pay a property manager to do it, which it can be a good thing. They can screen out people. Um, they they manage all the maintenance and all the all the bills being paid, et cetera, et cetera. And I guess they'd also have a team of tradies on their books so that they know that, oh, okay, the – I don't know, there's a leak in that particular uh, yep. apartment or that house that needs to be fixed. They just send out Joe blogs and it gets done, whereas most of us will be sitting there with our three quotes trying, and, yeah, yeah, exactly. trying to find I, I someone. I actually once was Joe Blogs who did I did real estate <laughs> maintenance. <laughs> nice to meet you, uh, Joe Bloggs. Oh, it was, it was a, a bit of a nightmare at times, I can tell you, some, you, of, the, some you, of the minor things. <laughs> were you one of the good ones? I'd, I'd like to think so, yeah. Oh, good. I'm, I'm pleased. <laughs> Um, repairs and maintenance costs, I guess they have to be factored in as yeah, well when you're thinking it, about property investing. Yeah, especially the um, considering the age of the building. And you mm-hmm. need, you need although maintenance and that sort of thing are tax deductible, and speak to your accountant again about this, if, if you're thinking of doing capital improvements, that is not. Oh. No. Oh. So just um, explain that a little bit more for what well, would what would be a capital improvement well, as opposed to well, say maintenance? You, say if say maintenance, um, the gutters are rusted out on your house. Yeah. You've got a house, gutters are rusted out. Yeah. You pay uh, Jim the roof plumber to come and put new gutters in. That's maintenance. If you 
want to put in a new bathroom. Yes. That's a capital improvement. You're not your bathroom's fine, you're not maintaining the bathroom, you're improving it. Wow, what if oh I think I've got a leaky tub then. <laughs> Does that get me a new bathroom? It'll get you a new tub. <laughs> It'll get me a new tub. Okay. Well, thanks for explaining that cuz actually that was one thing I wasn't too clear on. So what are we taking away from this, Greg? Well, I think the thing you've got to realize is that property investments are long-term game. You don't fall prey to any uh, get-rich-quick schemes. So it really is a bit of a group endeavour, huh? The, you know, there's lots of people involved in the process and the important thing is to ensure that you build the right team around you. So you need to talk to your accountants, your solicitors, real estate agents that you feel comfortable with and a mortgage broker that you trust. And to help our listeners who are interested in property investing, we have a glossary available for download. There's a link in our show notes. Now, we're going to be talking with Michael Sloan of Better Homes and Gardens Real Estate to get his top tips for buying an investment property. Michael, hello and welcome to the show. Thank you for having me. It's a pleasure. Now, Michael, really excited to get all the inside info from you. Um, I guess after owning your own home, a lot of people go for an investment property. Would you agree? Yes, it's certainly a a major goal for a lot of people. It's a a dream for many, but the thing is that dream can turn into a nightmare if you get it wrong. So let's hope some of the tips that we provide today will make sure that doesn't happen. So what then is the number one thing you need to know when buying an investment property? That's a great question. There's so many things. I think... It makes me think of when I first joined this industry, I, I met and interviewed over a thousand people in the first couple of years. Mm-hmm. And I met people who had invested and, and made money. Unfortunately, I met too many people who had lost money. I also met people who could have invested and, and changed their financial future, but they didn't do anything. And the vast majority of them, what really struck me was they just didn't have a plan. They didn't really think about it. People People think that they know property because they live in it. And, you know, a lot of people wouldn't spend five, six, seven hundred thousand dollars in in shares or managed funds without getting expert advice. But they go out and spend that much money on a property when they really don't know what they're doing. You certainly can't turn yourself into a property expert by doing some research for five or six months. You still won't have the knowledge to risk such an expensive investment and getting it right. So what I say to people is research the researcher, whether it's ours or whether it's someone else. Look at their background and see what their history is and see who they've worked with and what they've done. It staggers me that some of the rogues out there, and there's plenty of them, just one quick Google search would have stopped someone working with them and they didn't do it. So research the researcher, settle on someone that you trust, that you have some faith in, and then work with them as a team to find the right property for you. So what kind of properties should people stay away from? Look, I have a long list. I have a book called The Formula to Successful Property Investing, and that covers a a whole chapter. But fundamentally, there's some properties out there that come with what I call the great story. Mm -hmm. A student accommodation, for instance, has a terrific story in Melbourne, you know, for instance. There's, There's thousands of students. There's low vacancy rate. They're close to the city. They're low priced and they're a shocking investment. <laughs> now, tell me why. I've seen. Sorry? Tell um, me why. 
Because it doesn't cover one of the fundamental things that you need when you buy an investment property. You can't live in it. When you buy, when you invest in anything, you have to have an exit strategy. Now, with property, that exit strategy is selling, isn't it? One yes, day. yes. For whatever reason, that's your exit strategy. When you sell, you have to appeal to homeowners as well as investors. Right. If your property can only be bought by an investor, you're not going to get the kind of capital growth that you want. And there's some student accommodation in some terrific parts of Melbourne. I mean, you can buy student accommodation in Melbourne for $140,000. So people talk about the affordability crisis. Where is it there? Uh, the person selling it for 140000 probably paid two eighty. But the other types, holiday accommodation, they've caused some of the biggest losses I've ever seen. You can um, – it's mainly niche market properties, hotel rooms. Mm-hmm. Again, they all come with this great story that the salespeople – paint around what a wonderful investment they are. But really, um, especially when you're getting started, stay away from niche market properties. And that includes commercial property. Mm. And you will have seen how many properties, uh, you know, that, that stay vacant for, what, six, nine months, sometimes 12 months? Yes. How does a normal average Australian income earner afford that? If, if a residential property is vacant for six weeks, we start to panic. Yes. How do you cope with six months? So for sophisticated investors, that's fine. They can they can buy commercial property and in the long term, if it's a good property, they'll do well. Mm. But average people, they should not be buying them for their first investment. So niche market properties, just stay away. Stick to standard residential properties, mm-hmm. but homeowner quality properties, not this is not what they call investor stock in the industry. Okay. That's a poor quality property because it's only for investment. But if you want to um, invest and invest safely, reduce risk whenever you can. And where is the risk of buying a standard residential property in a standard residential area and keeping that property for 10 years or more? Yeah, there's not so look a lot. at everybody that you've known in your life that has done that and how many of them I've lost money. Yeah, I've, I've never actually met someone who said, geez, I wish I hadn't bought that property 10 years ago. <laughs> How many say they wish they did? Well, now I'm one of them. I'm, Me I must too. be honest. <laughs> Me too. We've all got those stories, don't we? There's yeah. a, a property I drive past near my, near my home and I still get this pang in my chest every time I drive past it because I could have bought it and I didn't buy it. And that was like 15 years ago and they're still killing me. Have you had any success stories that you can share with us? Well, look, we had these um, a brother and a sister come in who uh, were both on good incomes. They'd been saving a bit. They had, I think, $15,000 each saved. Yeah. Um, and they were just came in because they were referred by one of our older clients just to have a chat about the future. Um, they had they had a backup plan in their parents. Right? <laughs> so, <laughs> I've been one backup, of those. <laughs> yeah. The backup plan doesn't mean that you've got to have money. But if you if you get in a position where you need to go and tap someone on the shoulder and say, I need you to help me out for a while, mm. that's a backup plan. Yep. So this brother and the sister, they were still living at home. They put their $15,000 each together. They paid mortgage insurance and they bought their first investment property between them. Mm. And then we put a plan together where we split the loan in half. We don't organize it. We just gave them advice. And they each had their own loan against that property. So one of them paid it off really quickly. The other one paid it off uh, slow, slower. 
And that property is their ticket to buying the property of their own each in the future. So, because we set up a debt reduction strategy, we showed them how quickly they could pay that property off. At the same time, it was in a growth area, so it was growing in value. And then we had a plan of when they could sell that property, the money that they would clear from it would give them the deposit to buy a place of their own. Do you know whether they've, they have bought a place of their own yet? Those two are still working on that, but right. we've got um, we've got clients who um, we set up a strategy. They came to us with three hundred and fifty thousand dollar mortgage. Yeah, we do love people paying off their loans, so we have a program that shows people when they can pay off their their home loan much faster than than otherwise they would. And um, they put this strategy together. They paid it off in fourteen years because I've had these clients a long time. Wow. And instead of the 27 that they were headed, mm-hmm. and they've sold up and they've moved to the country and bought their country property that they thought they would have to um, wait decades to to buy. So they're living the dream. Yeah, and look, you know, the I had a call from my book editor the other day. His name's Chris, lovely mm-hmm. guy. He said, Michael, I just want to um, give you the news. We've just sold our house that you put us into, and our mortgage is gone. So, you know, some people say never sell when it comes to property investment. I just don't believe that at all. You sell when there's a good reason to sell. And you know what? Paying off your home loan is a really good reason to sell. Yeah. And that's the program that we've created shows people that if they buy an investment property, from the day they buy it, their property will rise in value and their home loan is going down in value. And we show them when the tipping point is going to happen. The tipping point is the day that they sell that investment property and they pay off the home loan. Can you so send me that? it's showing people maybe 10 years sooner than they would have. So if they've got a 27-year mortgage, um, they might pay it off in 17 years. Um, but Chris and his wife, their mortgage wasn't the typical size. It was a bit smaller. And they had some extra capital growth in the area that we put them into. And they did it in less than seven years. Wow. when they would have had a, a mortgage for years and years and years. So that's freed up $2,500 a month of their mortgage payment now, which is available for them to invest in whatever they choose to invest it in. So that's $30,000 a year that they've now got available. Wow, that'd be lovely, wouldn't it? So, Michael, I guess boiling it down to one, what, what would be your, your top investment property buying tip? You know what it is? I haven't mentioned it yet. It's cash flow. If, if you think about anybody that you know that's bought an investment property and ask them if they knew what the cash flow was going to be before they bought it. So the cash flow is how much is that property going to cost you out of your own pocket every month? And did they know what it was before they bought the property or did they find out after from their accountant? And there wouldn't be one in 20 that would say, yeah, I knew what the cash flow was. No one does it, but it's so important. Because you can't keep a property that has cash flow that's not sustainable for your personal situation. No, it'd become like an albatross around your neck, wouldn't it? So, Michael, cash flow is your number one tip, yes? It's the number one thing that people need to look out for. Thanks so much for everything, Michael. Those tips were so fantastic in the sense that um, 
That's what everybody needs to know before they go out um, thinking that they can invest in property. Um, now, before you go, tell us uh, and our listeners how they can get in touch with you. Okay. So, Michael Sloan, if you want to read more information about that I've written and, and spoken about, you can just put Michael Sloan Investment Property into Google and you'll find a whole bunch of things. Um, I'm the Managing Director of Better Homes and Gardens Real Estate in Richmond. So if you search for Better Homes and Gardens Real Estate online, you'll find our office and feel free to get in touch and come in and have a chat and a free consultation. Thanks so much, Michael. My pleasure. Thanks, Thanks Michael. Thanks for having me. That was great info, Dora. I, I guess he, I mean, he hit the nail on the head right from the start. Like, do your homework. People wouldn't invest that amount of money in in shares or whatever. I know I certainly wouldn't, but I'd, I'd probably do the same with property. Yeah, no, I think research is the uh, number one thing that you have to do if you're um, looking at spending that amount of money. But I also found it really interesting when Michael was talking about how they can show you how um, you can actually um, take your monies, they can show you how you can repay right. it faster, yeah. um, whether it was the example of the brother-sister yeah, um, situation yeah. where they uh, split the um, mortgage. Um, I think that's really important. Um, so there's sort of much more than a real estate agent, aren't they? They yeah. can actually help you make money, which yeah. I think is really important. That's right. So talking about money, Dora, next up we are going to speak to the person who can help you get that money from the big banks, a mortgage broker. Listeners, if you think about investing, it's all about money. And joining us today is Rebecca from Two Red Shoes. She's a mortgage broker and she's here to give us all the tips on investing in property. Welcome back, Rebecca. Thanks so much for having me. No problem. So, Rebecca, people obviously looking at investment properties, they've got their own homes and, and wanting to start on their first investment property. What, what sort of things are there to consider as far as finance? Mm -hmm. So um, they would need to think about where they're going to fund their deposit and stamp duty and sort of those sorts of ancillary costs. Um, they need to think about if they have enough spare cash to cover the shortfall because it's called investing. There's typically a little bit of cash needed to fund an investment property on a, an ongoing basis. Um, and then they need to work out whether or not they fit the bank's criteria. Right. And and. Uh, criteria for investors are different to first home buyers or owner occupiers. What, what's the difference there? It, it's tested a little more harshly. So your rent is um, scaled back. Uh, the, the expenses of the property are added on top. So it's just a little bit more difficult to qualify. The other point I think too is when you're going into investing, I always say you need to know what you want out of it. So I talk about um, what's your what's your exit strategy or what's your plan? Um, because knowing what you want out of it gives you a really good idea of what type of property you might want to buy to begin with. It gives yep. you a, a better step in the path. What happens for those who are looking to invest in property for the first time? Like they want to become a mogul when it comes to property. So they, I guess, may not have as much money as say your traditional investor or someone who's been in it for a long time. So what are your thoughts on that? How do they get started? Where so do they look? starting out with, with yeah. less money. There's all sorts of different options. And, again, it, it will come back to um, knowing that that's what your outcome is. So you want to be a mogul. Uh, that means you uh, will want to think about what's going to 
Um, if Again, if we think about the fact that the banks are going to be tougher on you, you're going to need a lot more income, right? Mm-hmm. So you might try and think about buying properties are going to help you along that way. Properties perhaps that have a bit more cash flow, um, going to give you a little bit more income. One, in, one, The first property helping you buy, the second property helping you buy, the third, for example. So properties um, not strictly broken into two categories, but somewhat they might be cash flow properties or they might be properties that give you ultimately capital gain. And they usually don't cross over. That's not strictly true, but true, but they usually don't cross over. So is that a little bit like, um, say, buy where you don't want to live, rent where you want to live? Um, does it mean buying out in regional areas, which um, might have a reasonable, well, first and foremost, they're not going to cost as much, but they still attract a reasonable uh, rental income so they'll help you pay it off. Is that uh, something that, say, anybody wanting to start out should look should be looking at or do they go to look at, um, say, uh, locations that are, um, well, we've seen uh, certain suburbs in, um, say, Sydney and uh, I guess Melbourne as well where they're not as um, expensive now, but they slowly become gentrified. Is that what people should be looking for? Look, we've got to be really careful here because we're not giving advice. We're obviously yep. just talking about yep. possibilities and we're talking about it from the finance perspective, but that's certainly possible. So you're talking potentially about um, rent vesting. You mentioned yes. rent vesting initially, so you might rent where you want to live. Yep. Not so much buy where you don't want to live, but <laughs> rent, <laughs> yeah. where you, well, rent where you want to buy live. Buy where you can afford. And buy where you can afford. Okay, yeah. that's probably Probably a better way of saying it. <laughs> By where it makes sense, right? Yeah. Um, and I'll give you a good example of this, and this is phenomenal. So the, um, a lovely young girl, and we see increasingly sing, um, single females doing this or single females are investing, uh, and, and she's actually buying properties in regional Australia mm-hmm. where she can afford to pay it off. And then once she um, has two properties, she's got an income that she can actually have independent of any partner. So if she goes on maternity leave for an extended period of time, she's still got that income and she doesn't, she's not reliant on anyone. Um, I know another girl who rents in um, a Sydney seaside location and has 16 properties around Australia. Wow. Exactly. Wow. How long ago did she start? She started a long time ago and she's been clever and, and um, used her money very wisely. But good on her. Good, absolutely good on her and 16 properties. That's no mean feat. No, that's absolutely brilliant. not. So um, definitely that can happen. And, yes, you might be buying in regional or you might be buying dual income properties. They're yeah. very popular at the moment. So a property with a granny flat in the backyard or a duplex. Um, you might be building. Um, you There's there's a number of different uh areas that you might be buying in exactly as you say that also yes are gentrifying mm. um people are following uh you know we talk about shortcutting following someone else's research so if the big guys are building shopping centers in these areas they've done the research yeah, piggyback off of yeah, it yeah, right absolutely and, yeah. yep. yes. if universities are going in there if hospitals are going in there someone else has done the research piggyback off of it that area is likely to grow so all of these sort of factors might lead to more success for you. So it's basically doing your research, isn't it? Yeah. Understanding what you ultimately want, doing your research. There are people who are um, qualified and do this sort of stuff for you too so you don't have to feel like you're going alone. Okay. So where would people do their research? Who who are those people who are doing it for them? So, again, ask somebody like me for yeah. um, connections or ask friends and family to, for a recommendation. 
Yeah, I guess that's uh, your best uh, form of research, isn't it? Absolutely. Just asking the right questions. Yep. But don't yeah. listen to Uncle Bob over the fence <laughs> whose aunt had a property that was just terrible because you just don't know. You don't know whether or not they had um, the proper insurances in place or whether they ever had a lease or any of those negative factors. Those stories grow, you know, they grow a life of their own. And I guess another thing is, I mean, again, you're investing. It's mm. It's uh, to treat it like a business and it's Correct. not to, uh, leave your heart at home, I guess. Oh, Do you know what I oh mean? Oh, my like, goodness, yes. Yeah. And buy the beige neutral of properties. Don't buy that place with purple walls. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> or if, if you do, be prepared to paint. We can help there, can't we? Yeah. <laughs> I was just thinking that. <laughs> I was thinking that as well. Yeah. Buy so, the place with purple walls and get it for a really good yeah, price. Price, yeah. that's <laughs> right, and then just make it base central. Base neutral, yep. <laughs> um, the other thing I was going to ask you, that leads to the question of negative gearing. So mm-hmm. how does that affect um, investors in the property market? Mm, so negative gearing is quite literally where the property, um, the cost of the property outweigh the income that you're receiving from the property and it will um, have um, a, a tax benefit to you. Now, what we can do in our position um, is, is we don't give tax advice, but we certainly can load you up with all of the questions that you can take to your tax advisor because there's some things that you can do at this at the purchase stage that um, help you to make that negative gearing, for example, work better for you down the track. So people don't often understand that you can buy the property in different structures. You might buy it um, where one particular party owns 99% of the property and someone else owns one or 50-50 or 20-80 or whatever that structure um, looks like best for um, that kind of purpose and your accountant is the best person to advise on that. But Negative gearing can be something that helps you in terms of your holding costs. So basically you're able to claim some of the, say, maintenance and some of the expenses of that particular property. And where does positive gearing come into play? So positive gearing is where the the income from the property outweighs the costs. Mm -hmm. Um, Now here's an interesting one. You can have negative gearing, positive cash flow. Oh, I like the sound of that. Don't we all? Can you please explain more? (laughs) So you can have a property where the um, income outweighs the, so sorry, where the the costs outweigh the income, however, where there's some cash, uh, non-cash benefits that actually make it back up to you. So depreciation is something that's a non-cash benefit. It actually hasn't cost you for Anything? depreciation, but you can get a little bit extra on your tax return. That's that's only on new builds though, uh, depreciation, correct? That's absolutely no, yeah. only on new builds. Yeah. There are some other properties out there that have some other um, incentives like uh, National Rental Affordability Scheme that has some non-cash benefits. There's not so many of those around anymore, but they're they were fantastic for positive cash flow as well. Uh-huh. So those schemes you were just talking about, they're Australia-wide? Uh, that was an Australian-wide scheme, yeah. Okay. It's fabulous. I know. It's kind of intriguing. The little yeah. rabbit warren could go down for hours. I think I might just leave my job. <laughs> and invest oh, in pro- no. oh, please, please, please. <laughs> I'm liking the sound of the uh, 16 homes and living by the seaside. Mm. I really like the sound of that. I don't think I have that many years ahead of me, though. Now, here's a bit of a tough question. In your experience, what type of investment properties are the most successful for people? Or is that just a too general a question? Well, again, it depends on what your definition of success is. People get into investing for different reasons. So um, if you if you want ultimately um, long-term growth, then it's it tends to be, you know, Sydney, Melbourne, CBD properties. But you're going to sit on it for a very long time and it's probably going to cost you a lot of money. So is that success for you? Um, if you want 
something that's going to put cash back in your posit in your pocket every week, then um, that that's probably going to be one of those dual income properties. And that might even be in the outer suburbs of Brisbane and just funding your own mortgage and paying it off. Is that success for you? Or, um, you know, some people buy properties that they ultimately want to live in. So you might buy an acreage property, for example, put tenants in there until you're ready to retire. Is that success for you? Ultimately, it depends on what your definition of success is. Yeah, it's your long-term goal, Mm. isn't it? Whatever it is for you. Is there anything that we've missed? Is there anything that you think is sort of your top tip for for loans as a mortgage broker with investing in property? Um, It's really critical to keep any investment debt quite separate from your owner-occupied debt. So it's important to structure things well and and, um, keep them quite separate. I'm a big fan too of actually um, putting a big firewall up. So your own home might be with a completely separate lender from anybody who's got your investment property. Just we, just in we, case. Yeah, we always hope nothing goes wrong, but just in case you've got that degree of protection. Um, and then your statements uh, that for your investment property go off to the accountant and everything's very clear and easy for them to, to determine what is deductible and what's not. Yeah. Once again, Rebecca, thank you for coming in. We love everything you share with us and I think it really helps a lot of our listeners um, guide them in the property market. And where can people find you, Rebecca? Thanks so much for having me. Um, My website is Two Red Shoes. That's T-W-O, redshoes.com.au. Thanks for listening to Better Real Estate. I really hope you've enjoyed it. We'll be back next week with another episode. Now, if you're really enjoying our show, please do us a favour, rate, review and subscribe. This will make it easier for other property lovers to find our podcast. Thanks. Thanks.